Hello, and welcome to How About That, a podcast with Ben and Jareth. I'm Jareth. And I'm Ben. Two citizens of the supposed lucky country, bringing you reasonable discussion on taboo topics. Sprinkled with opinionated rants. Of course. Today's episode is about Australia's Bill of Rights, sometimes called a Charter of Human Rights. Or the fact that Australia doesn't have one. Yes. Well, we will be dispelling some of the misconceptions, misunderstandings, and blatant misinformation surrounding this topic. I think a good way to kind of get into this topic would probably be to define what a Bill of Rights is. Well, rather than me trying to define it, it's best if I actually just get the Law Council of Australia's definition and tell you exactly. Human rights are the basic freedoms and protections that all of us are entitled to because we are human beings. Human rights apply to everyone equally, regardless of age, nationality, race, colour, religion, gender or sexual preference, or other status. A Charter of Rights is a list of all the human rights that a nation thinks are important and deserving of specific legal protection. Civil, political, economic, social, cultural, all of those are... It doesn't need to be added to our constitution, like the Bill of Rights in the US, and that means that it can be changed by Parliament if new rights need to be added at any time. Fantastic. That sounds fair. That sounds great. Parliament can just change it. They can just give us new rights, take some away. This is off to a great start here. Actually, that's something just quickly that you've said there, Jared. When you have a Bill of Rights, the big thing is, is that the rights are added, yeah, not taken set. away. They're set in stone rights. Once yeah. you've got those rights, they can't be taken away. Uh, and, and so we are going... One of the, the main ones I think we'll be addressing is the Miranda rights, um, which is something that we don't have in Australia, but this is one of those misconceptions that we were talking about just before. Uh, due to television and, and whatnot, uh, pop culture, we have a lot of television programs that have these Miranda rights read out. Uh, now, this is an American uh, right. This uh, is an American right. Well, uh, it doesn't actually... Uh, we don't have those same specific rights. But Australians could almost be forgiven for thinking that they do purely because of the saturation of American police shows and movies and things yeah. that we get in this country. And uh, a lot of a lot of Australians just kind of assume this because we are a uh, we're a first class country. We do have rights. We're a democratically elected uh, free country. We're a first world uh, country, and we are part of what's considered to be one of the ninety one Western democracies in the world. Yeah, and of those ninety one, it is a little bit ignorant to believe that all countries have the exact same rights. They don't uh, have the exact same different. rights. Yeah, that's true. But of those ninety one countries. Australia is the only one that doesn't actually have a Bill of Rights. Which is ridiculous. Absolutely and when you ridiculous. think about it, Sweden, Sweden has rights. They have a Bill of Rights. We're not doing Trump impersonations, are we? I don't think I can handle it. All right, that's it. That's the only one. <laughs> that's the only one. Good. Uh, so, yeah, you could be forgiven for believing that we do have uh, these rights uh, and, and things, but we don't. Uh, and so what I'm going to start off with, the first thing is uh, they're called Miranda rights. So... I assume they were named after a woman named Miranda. No, it wasn't named after the redhead from Sex and the City. <laughs> Me personally, because I'm a little bit older than you, don't say how much, uh, I grew up in the age without Google, where if you wanted to find something, you had to go to the library or go to the shelf that had... What's your a old... library? <laughs> library. <laughs> a library, sorry. Or you had to go to the shelf where I think most people had an Encyclopedia Britannica. So I assumed, wrongly so that the Miranda rights was just Americans mispronouncing things again and that it was actually your memorandum rights. Which makes more sense. Well, they were reading out what's written down. Yeah, your memory of these rights, uh, which makes so much more sense, but it's not actually the case. Uh, Miranda is the last name of somebody who was arrested in the US. That's true. Ernesto Arturo Miranda. Now, the Supreme Court of America found that his Fifth and Sixth Amendment rights had been breached. 
the Fifth Amendment being the right to remain silent, and the Sixth Amendment, uh, the right to an attorney. Now, after, like, just as a disclaimer, this man was being arrested for sexually assaulting a handicapped woman, and he was actually later found guilty. But as you'll know with Americans, and they have that big patriotism thing, their Bill of Rights and their Constitution are paramount. They come first, and a person's human rights come first despite what they've done. And I do not disagree with that within the American uh, government. I think that's a good place to be you know, holding above all, all of your other laws is the basic rights of the people within that country. So I, I have no arguments for the fact that they hold that above everything else. It always comes down to the fact that a person who is innocent, and that, you know there is always that presumption of innocence that Americans have, that you should be afforded those rights because they should just presume that you were innocent because that's the whole... Innocent till proven guilty. Presumption of innocence, yes. exactly. So the Miranda rights were then... Once that went to the Supreme Court, the Miranda rights were developed and they were named after uh, this particular gentleman and that's why they're called the Miranda rights or the Miranda warning. Now, I'm sure like you, you've watched plenty of American cop dramas and cop shows and movies and so forth and I'm sure... Like a lot of Australians, you might be able to recite the Miranda rights better than some Americans. Possibly. I can try. Uh, I'm not you to give it a go. not sure how well I'm going to go. Uh, one other thing, just to put on the end of that uh, Miranda story, just before we do finish. Uh, he went back to court, had a fair trial, and was guilty. Absolutely found like, guilty. <laughs> he was so, absolutely found guilty. And they just made sure that he was found guilty correctly. In a, a fair and just way, which That's I exactly think is right. fine. All right. So let's try these Miranda rights. Uh, which is going to be interesting. So I think the first they need to declare you are under arrest. That's, that's exactly right. So you are under arrest. Uh, you have the right to remain silent. Uh, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. Do you understand these rights as they have been read to you? Well, I'm sure, as I said, there's a lot of Americans out there, I'm sure, that probably couldn't recite them as well as that. But that's pretty much perfect. Fantastic. Yes. Did I miss anything? No, you didn't. Oh, great. Now, there is one, in, in this episode, there's one of the, one particular right there that I'd like to focus on, and that's the right to remain silent. Which we are obviously not taking that right right now, because we're being as loud as possible. Well, I've often been told that whilst I have the right to remain silent, I clearly don't have the ability. Yeah. <laughs> so, when we look at Australian uh, law, and you are being arrested per se, or even just questioned by the police, then they have to inform you of their obligations in regards to your rights. Now, whilst they do say that you have the right to remain silent, and they do say that you have a right to an attorney, one of the specifics about those rights is that the right to remain silent, to me, implies the fact that I can remain silent. But that's not actually the case. Not at all. I mean, the, sh the, the short answer to whether you have the right to remain silent in Australia is... It kind of depends on where you are. And who you're talking to. Exactly. For example, if you're talking to the Queensland Crime and Corruption Commission, well, they have uh, special powers. Mm. I have wanted to call them the Justice League, but I think we've... Uh... No, I will not allow that <laughs> because I'm actually a DC fan. So uh, they will be referred to as the Legion of Doom. The Legion of Doom. Now, these special powers, these special coercive powers that this particular uh, commission has, are coercive. That means that these powers are meant to make you speak. So that can be anything from indefinite incarceration until you tell them what they want to hear to what is commonly referred to as almost a court of public opinion. Now, I think you were actually talking about the, the public inquiry part of that. 
Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, so I actually have here which something that kind of grabbed me and I thought was really interesting, which was another one of their powers, aside from the uh, the coercive special powers that they do have to summon people with really no evidence and just tell them you need to answer our questions. But along with that, they have that what's called the power to conduct a public inquiry. And within this, and I'm, I'm just going to read this from it, it's complaints or issues brought to our attention, sometimes involving wide-ranging allegations that have the potential to reduce public confidence in fundamental systems of public administration and government. So that's pretty scary, really. The funny um, thing is, is that you think about all those times where they don't want juries tainted. There's so many things that are set in court or that aren't set in court because yeah. of a person's age, because of their background or what have you, that we're not allowed to find out about in the newspaper because of the case that it might taint the jury. Yeah. What this special power does is, in effect, say we are legally tainting the jury. Yeah. Now, the example that, because I'd never heard of this until probably maybe two or three years ago, and it's, a, it's the, actually the case of an ex-AFL Rugby League and Rugby Union player, Carmichael Hunt, who was uh, arrested and charged for, I believe it was possession of cocaine. Yes. Now, Carmichael Hunt was playing for the Gold Coast Suns at the time, and... Whether the crime, whether whether the commission chose this opportunity to exercise their special powers for whatever reason, I'm not 100% sure. But the public inquiry one was certainly one that sprung to mind because I recall reading article upon article um, about what had happened to Carmichael Hunt and how you know he had to hand over his phone, he had to hand over all his contacts, he had to tell them exactly what they wanted to hear. Now, <clears throat> as an ex rugby league player myself, the whole you can't dob in on your mates that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that really didn't uh, sit well with a lot of people that Carmichael was rolling so easily until you actually read to see that he was coerced to do so. Yeah. And I, again, was it because his prof was it because of his profile? Was it just because these were the new mutant, mutant powers that were afforded to the commission all of a sudden? So, and yeah. the interesting thing I found was that uh, they they're not. Uh, disregarding the right to silence. So within all of this, that you still have the right to silence once charged. And that's the very important thing here because they have the ability to summon you and uh, and ask you questions and the, for you to, to hold you indefinitely on the basis of uh, if you don't give them the answers to the questions that they want, uh, they can just uh, can, can, uh, retain you within their facility. Uh, but once you are actually charged with something, you then have the right to silence. You have uh, some of these rights. And... Uh, you have the right to an attorney. Now, obviously, within Carmichael Hunt's uh, case, he was a he was a, a sports star. He didn't need any any help there. But this was something else that was kind of interesting within the Australian uh, rights that you do you are told you know, the obligations when you are arrested. You are told that you do have the right to remain silent. Uh, so anything that you say can uh, that you may rely on in later on in court that you you must say it now. And it's worded so that it feels like you must say this now or you cannot bring it up in court. And that's not the case. Uh, so they, they word it that uh, you should say everything now that you may later, later rely on in court. But if you do then bring that, those things up in court, it's not admissible. It's just worded this way. So they have an obligation, uh, the police, to, you know, to let you know that, you have, uh, that your statement may be, may be used as evidence. Uh, but they also tell you that you have the right to legal counsel. And that if you cannot afford it, it will be provided for you. Uh, they, I don't think they are obliged to tell you that when they arrest you in Australia. They're not obliged to tell you that um, legal counsel can be provided for you. They only have to tell you that you're allowed to have a, an yeah. attorney present. Um, and uh, so the way that it actually works out is if you can't afford an attorney, one will be provided for you. You will then be billed for that a couple of weeks later. So 
there's no uh, free uh, uh, representation within Australia. For Australian citizens. For Australian citizens. Uh, and, and that's the thing, as you were saying before, the 91 democratically elected uh, free countries that we were speaking of before. Australia's the only one that doesn't have this Charter of Human Rights, this Bill of Rights. In, just a quick disclaimer, we are signatories to the UN's Human Rights uh, Charter, but being part of the Commonwealth, we're also at the decree of what our Prime Minister and Head of State think. So it's like a lot of things. I mean, we've got a lot of things in our constitution which don't seem to be as set in stone as one might assume them to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so if you are from one of these other countries and you come here, it's kind of interesting that you effectively have more rights than the citizens of that country. Uh, well, if you come there... from America, for example, where you are... Uh, and you're... I want to also make another point that I'm talking about people who are innocent and may be caught up in, in something. And most police officers and lawyers will tell you that even if you've done nothing wrong, it is best not to say anything at all because you don't want your words twisted and put against you. And of course, that's easy for a career criminal. Yeah. But for someone like me or someone like you, who our interactions with the police are generally an RBT or yeah. down the street sort of thing, it can be quite, you can get a little bit of anxiety. It is quite intimidating when you've got someone who's uh, official and, and you, know, you know they have this kind of extra power. I mean, they're holding a gun, which is something in Australia which is a big deal. Because one of the rights we don't have is the right to bear arms. Uh, we had that taken away after a Port Arthur massacre. In 96. In 96, exactly. Uh, and all the Australians went, mm, someone got shot. Fair enough, you can have our guns. And we haven't had guns since. So just the fact that they, yeah, they are holding that on their hip is that quite, a, quite an intimidating factor. Uh, well, when you go to the UK, I mean, obviously, they have a very similar um, situation with firearms and being having the right to bear they arms. They do, yes. But I've spoken to English people who have said that they find the guns on Australian police officers to be quite intimidating because they're not used to that in the UK. Because in the UK, they don't carry those guns. They carry a baton. Ah, right. And that's it. They're bobbies. They're, well, they're bobbies, yes, of yes. course. Do you know why they wear the high hat? I cannot remember, actually. So they can be seen in a crowd. Ah, that is, it. That is very interesting. Uh, I've heard many things about the police officers' hats. Like, for example, if they're not wearing a hat, uh, they're not on duty. They're not official. You don't really need to listen to them. Uh, and when th th this was teenagers telling me this, so I still respected the police at the time. But uh, and if they come to your door, if they're not wearing a hat, um, they're not on official business. Uh, and I have no idea if that's true. But I thought I'd just mention it while we were on police officers' hats. Disclaimer: we, exactly. we are not law students. We are not police officers. Not, we are everything that we're talking to you about is stuff that we've been able to find on Google. Not all of it easy. But it's certainly all there. It is all there if you are interested in finding it. And on that note, we will be uh, uh, sending some of those, uh, linking some of those websites uh, probably through our Facebook page. Through our Facebook page. And, and possibly on this podcast, we'll give you some links to that. Um, but uh, we've got a lot of, spent a bit of time here on, on how awful the Australian government is and the rights you don't have. Um, maybe we should go through some of the other ones that we, we do have. Uh, so when I was a child, just with, because we're, we're speaking of the CCC here, which is quite a large corporation quite a large uh, uh commission which is yeah, crime commission makes mm -hmm. sense um but on the lower level so on the federal level uh when i was a child this was these were what i was taught you had to tell a police officer if you were arrested uh, and i looked these up and uh, they actually t turned out to be true good yeah. job mum you gave me the correct information through life uh not the first time she's done that uh so as a kid i, I was aware that if you, you know, are being asked questioned by a police officer you had to give them your name uh, and your address and date of birth. Now, that, that was what I was told. Uh, and then mum later on was told me, 
Uh, also, any relevant information to an incident or accident that you may have witnessed or been, a, been privy to. Um, and then after that point, uh, they are obliged, as we said earlier, to let you know that uh, you have the right to remain silent uh, and that uh, that your statement may, may be used as evidence in, in court. Um, but the, once they bring you back, you will often be fingerprinted, photo, like photographed, um, which are, you don't have the right to say no to those. Um, and uh, you must be charged within four hours, um, which is not a big issue. You're usually charged with something within four hours, so we won't go into that. But, but there is that restriction on how long they can hold you. Um, and the four-hour thing, I didn't actually know. Did no, you? I wasn't aware of that either, actually. Um, again, <clears throat> a lot of those things that you, that you see on American uh, police stuff, you, you tend to think, oh, you know, maybe they can hold them for 24 hours. Is yeah. that about right? Which, in certain circumstances... Once you've been arrested, but they can actually refuse you bail yeah. for up to 24 years, which uh, could be seen as a restriction of your liberties, because at this point, you've got to remember, you are still innocent. Hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, this is the only time when the police... And I mean, a lot of these laws are different state to state. Uh, a lot of the laws I'm talking about now are New South Wales and Queensland, but there are some Victorian laws which are a little bit more um, in favour of the... Lenient? A bit more lenient, I think. Yeah, that's probably the best way yeah. to put it. So, whereas in New South Wales and Queensland, they do seem to be rather strict. Um, yeah, I mean, in regards to the right to remain silent, that really, as you said, doesn't happen until after you've been arrested. And until that point... You must provide your name and address, the date and place of your birth. Ah, uh, uh, place of your birth, yeah. Did not really. Uh, questions regarding any uh, traffic laws that you've broken or whether you've seen an accident. So you might not want to get involved. You are legally obliged to tell them what's happened. Yeah. Um, and any other questions that they can ask under these special the laws. Rules, yeah. Um, I mean, that's... <clears throat> in, 20, in 2013, uh, let's say prior to that, let's say in 2012... If you did remain silent, it was against the law for the courts to see that as a um, an admission of guilt, per se, or that it in some way influences their feelings about your guiltiness. In 2013, that was changed. So in New South Wales now, when you remain silent, the court can consider this an admission, an, an, almost an admission of guilt. Wow. It can certainly be considered that way. That is that is crazy. Um... And, uh, wow, that is actually ridiculous that, you know, you're just literally by being silent within court, you can be... Well, this was, a, this, was a, this was a law passed by, um, in New South Wales by the Shooters Party, who uh, sided with the Coalition, which is the Liberal Party the and the, uh, the Nationals. Um, so, yeah, what, in essence, this is, is this is no longer a presumption of innocence. Uh, and when you're at this level, I mean, we'll come back to the, the CCC, which I think is kind of a, a sub... Uh, category on this podcast, I think. Not will. a lot of people are going to be really dealing with the crime and commission, uh, crime and corruption commission. Yeah, that's, that's not, and that's actually what I'm bringing up here because uh, the CCC is it's a fairly high uh, commission. It, it deals with some pretty serious uh, offences, but on the lower level uh, within those coercive powers, they have uh, the ability to not only use these powers within their own investigation, but also if required by police or serious crimes, uh, request this they would then lend their services. And those coercive powers, the ones we were speaking of before, being able to, uh, to summon somebody to answer questions, can then be used on a, a case of not a higher profile as you would usually have with the CCC. That was just an interesting little side Well, thing. it's a slippery slope, as, is, they, yeah. as they say. And this is all... You can almost draw this all back to the fact that we in Australia don't have a Bill of Rights. And we should. Of course we should. <laughs> I mean, 
that's a good question. I mean, why do we need um, a human rights act? I mean, we're Australian. Everything seems to be going hunky-dory. We don't seem to have too many issues or problems. And it's because a lot of those rights are assumed, I feel. That's I, I feel very like true. People just assume they have those rights and therefore they feel that they do. Uh, and even though by the letter of the law you don't, uh, they're still exercised. So we are still having that respect of, you know, you have rights as an Australian citizen that you probably don't actually have. But uh, I th yeah, by, by adhering to those rights that we have seen in other places, we do kind of have an unwritten Bill of Rights. Well, we have two rights that are afforded to us in the Constitution. Within, yeah. The first one is the right to interstate trade. Free interstate trade, yeah. Yep, that's exactly right. The second uh, right is the freedom of religion, somewhat ironic at times. Yes, it is. But those are the only two actual rights that are written into the Constitution. I think the freedom of religion is another podcast that we, we could definitely get a whole subject out of that one. How, how, yeah, how separate is church and state within Australia? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's not as, it's not as uh, connected as the Irish Constitution, which was written in part by a Catholic, Catholic bishop. <laughs> disclaimer, they have marriage equality. Um, but ours, if you have a look at our Constitution... As I said, it, as you said, sorry, it is an idea. It is it is certainly a whole episode in itself, yeah. just to discuss what is the actual separation between church and state in Australia. But when we look at another another couple of reasons why we might need a Human Rights Act in Australia, we can look at Indigenous Australians who, uh, on average, <clears throat> die approximately seventeen young, years younger than um, uh, Caucasian Australians. Um, or actually, that's not wholly true. It's not just Caucasian Australians. It's all Australians apart from Indigenous Australians. Oh. So when you think about that, that involves Asian immigrants, descent, yeah. Asian descent, Greek descent, Italian descent, all of the descents. Um, and yet they have still been able to, as immigrants in this country or refugees in this country, somehow work themselves up to a um, better standard of living in which they live longer. It certainly seems and appears that way. Again, it can come back to the fact that we don't have those, those basic human rights. And speaking of refugees, that also includes asylum seekers and young children who are asylum seekers being held in things like mandatory detention, sometimes for more than five years. Now, how did that? How does that sort of legislation get through at a parliamentary level? Yeah, exactly. We don't have a we don't have the rights to stop it. Now, you could take on uh, homeless people who don't have adequate food, clothing, and shelter. This is the other one I found quite interesting: is that prisoners who are serving uh, sentences, custodial sentences of three years or more, don't have the right to vote. Now. That is the same in the US, where once you've done it, once you've committed a felony, which to serve more than three years, um, you've probably not done something very good. Of course, yeah. But you should still, once you've been rehabilitated, as they love to say, you should be afforded that right when you're released, hmm. and all your rights should be given back to you, if anything, once your parole period's finished or anything like that. Um, but again, no bill of rights. So and instead of a suspension of those rights, you know, right to freedom, for example, exactly right. to leave, it's yes. a it's a cancelling of one of those freedoms. Absolutely, and as I said, bill of the bill of rights is there, and that's why if you think of the American version, there's the amendments and so forth. Yes. Is that the bill of rights is there not to take rights away, but to add rights to, um, and of course, there's also the big the, the big button topic um, is obviously that um, homosexuals aren't allowed to um, get married. Uh, or have that formal relationship recognition, and they aren't exactly protected from discrimination at a federal level. You could think of the ATC and how it protects from a racial point of view, but we don't actually have anything to protect that sort of discrimination from a sexual orientation. Yeah. 
So yeah, so that's that's those are a couple of reasons as to why we need a bill of rights, a bill of rights. which is really interesting. Actually, the voting because you brought up that you had the exact same thing in America with the if you'd serve three years, uh, you weren't allowed to vote. Uh, the difference between America and Australia is it's compulsory within Australia. So within America, you may be told, hey, you, you can't vote for the next, you know, because you've served uh, three years in prison. And they could be like, okay, I've never voted in my life. Uh, in Australia, if you are over the age of 18, you are required to vote. Uh, well, so you're, you're required to turn up to a polling station. And yeah. I've always thought, because you hear a lot about the donkey votes and the people riding Fred Flintstone or what have you on the voting yeah. ticket. I often, I often think to myself, look, you've got to be there anyway. You might as well yeah, vote. exactly. Like, wh why waste your vote? Why waste your vote, exactly. You're, you're there anyway. And, and unfortunately, I think that is uh, a, has a lot to do with the fact that people don't care a lot of the time. They see two parties. I mean, you get this with all, politics everywhere. It is kind of the nature of the beast. You see two parties that are not that different. Uh, they are, they have, obviously, they have differing opinions on things because they have to. They have to be separate. But... On a lot of things, their opinion is exactly the same. It's not really going to make a difference. People feel that way and they don't vote. I mean, when you're picking between a religious racist or some incompetent fool, why does it really matter which one you choose? Great. I mean, I didn't learn about the parliamentary process within Australia uh, or the 11 stages it takes to make a bill a law uh, until I started legal studies in, in college. So this isn't taught to everyone unless you choose to go and find out this information. It's not readily available, and I agree. It should be. It should be taught. It uh, should be. It should be right up there with maths and English as, as uh, compulsory subjects. Yeah, and, and Australian history was another one that uh, you and I have spoken. Should be. Uh, there should be more of that taught. Um, we'll do a couple of episodes. There are. Yeah, uh, this is another and the one. Whitewashing of it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. Because um, that's another one that, that kind of uh, goes hand in hand with this one. Uh, Australians' misconceptions of of these things. A lot of Australians know. American history better than they know Australian history in the same way that I know the Miranda rights uh, better than I knew the rights within my own country. Uh, and so I think those two kind of go hand in hand. Um, but I think we're, we're reaching about halfway now. So yeah, well, we're going to go over to our sponsor. This is most definitely as good a time as any is to, to take a break and to mainly thank the good people at Vape Trail who have been generous enough to allow us to use their space for the recording of this podcast. Tanks, mods, juices, coils and batteries. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, allowing us to use this uh, this space vape trial. It's been fantastic, and uh, couldn't, couldn't have done it without them. Could could not have done it without vape trial. Very generous. Very generous. So uh, we're we're going to kick out our second half of this podcast off with. Well, what I would like to start talking about is <clears throat> if our we're ticking along and everything's going fine and we have a constitution, then what could a human rights act do? Having a Human Rights Act, what would that actually do? How would it change things within Australia? A few simple ones would, and these are just quick ones, um, it'll make Parliament consider how laws impact on human rights. It'll make the government respect human rights when they're developing policy. It, can make, uh, it will make public servants respect human rights when making decisions and delivering services. And it provides a range of enforceable remedies if a government department breaches those human rights. Huh. So there's all the pros. And uh, now we'll go through the extremely long list of cons to, to this. So that was all of the cons so that we yeah, have. That, that, that was really good. Oh. Yeah, was, I'm amazed I got through it. I need a drink of water now. Uh, <laughs> but as you can see, there's so many more positives to this. And when going through that list, it seems those are things that should just be happening. 
Like they're not outlandish thoughts that you should be, you know, considering human rights while creating laws that are going to affect everyone within that country. Uh, so I, it, it makes no sense, really, why we well, don't have this. The examples that I look at, in which case these would become extreme, this would become extremely uh, important, is especially the fact that Parliament, considering how laws impact on human rights and how government respects human rights when developing policy, it seems to me that if it's not in the Constitution and we don't have a Charter of Human Rights... It's kind of up for discussion, really. It kind of seems to me that that means that Parliament and government are enacting policy and are developing policies and laws without human rights as a consideration because they don't have to be. Why would you? You don't have to. And I think this is fairly obvious within... And this is something that's been debated quite a lot within Australia and within our media gets brought up a lot, is refugees and Absolutely. asylum seekers, the way in which they are handled within Australia. Now... Uh, the kind of a general overview, kind of basic view of uh, asylum seekers, refugees on, on a general level is that most people think, yeah, take them, we've got lots of room. Uh, there are some that completely disagree. Uh, uh, but for the most part, it, it seems to be a general consensus that, yeah, we're quite happy to take in uh, refugees. We're a multicultural country. Uh, and, and we really have become that uh, over probably the last two decades, maybe. Unless you're um, Aboriginal, you are the descendant of immigrants or refugees. Exactly. Yeah, we all got here somehow, uh, unless you are full-blooded Aboriginal, uh, in which case I'm really sorry because you don't have very many Australian rights if that's the case because uh, they're getting... We have one of the worst relationships with our Indigenous people and that's another shame uh, within our thing, within our uh, laws. Well, we don't have a treaty with our Indigenous and Exactly. Population. Well, and actually, and this is a, an interesting uh, sort of side note, is that Australia as a commonwealth and as a country, has no treaty with the Indigenous population of Australia. So as I was saying, whilst the Australian government doesn't have any treaty with its Indigenous population, and that is all states and territories in Australia and the national, uh, the federal government as well. Yeah. However, there is the Principality of Hutt River, which is considered to be a micronation in Australia. And whilst it claims to be an independent sovereign state, um, which achieved uh, legal status uh, back in 20, 21st of April 1970. Um, the claim was rejected by the Australian Government and the High Court of Australia. However, last year, as a celebration of the 46th year, a letter was actually sent by the Queen recognising the state. So whilst our own government doesn't, the Queen does. And one thing that I love about the Principality of Hutt River is that he actually has a treaty with his local Indigenous population. The only. The only treaty with an Indigenous population in this country. And, and the Queen uh, sent him a, a letter saying, congratulations, and you know, well, well done, because he's still a part of the Commonwealth. That is true. He is still part of the Commonwealth. Whilst he, might, whilst he may have seceded from Australia, he does consider himself to be part of the Commonwealth. So if he or uh, his son, who I think you, you said it's going to be handed on to him, were uh, fantastic enough athletes, they could compete in the Olympics under their own banner. I, I just thought of this. I don't know about that. Oh, come on. They seceded from the country. They're not Australian anymore. 60 years old. Is Ron Bowles in there I said, yet? I said his son. Or like... <laughs> no, no, no. Well, he's 90, the, the, oh. the actual prince himself, his son, because he's advocating this shit. Yeah. Um, something another royal person could do, I'm just saying. Yes. Um, and uh, his son is is um, succeeding, him, uh, succeeding him, and um, he is around about 60 years succeeding old. Succeeding the... Su succeeded. That's very hard to succeeding say. Succeeding from succeeding. Yes. Succeeding, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um... And, and this actually brings us another, uh, back to what we were saying before, when you were saying uh, examples of, of you know, what having a, a Bill of Rights in Australia would mean. Uh, this is another one. Uh, 
to build a treaty with our Indigenous people. That's something that can't really happen until after we have a set Bill of Rights, a way in which the laws, as you were saying, are going to affect the public, or in this case, the Indigenous community. So, yeah, we kind of need to do that before we can make a treaty with our Indigenous people. So we've got refugees, we've got the Indigenous population. We can look at uh, marriage equality as another example. Because we don't have a Bill of Rights, which, as I said when I was uh, giving the example from the Law Council of Australia, what a Bill of Rights entails, yes. one of those statuses is sexual orientation. Race, religion, gender, all of those things that would be covered under a Bill of Rights. That means that those people should be afforded the exact same rights as the rest of the Australian population. So without a Bill of Rights, we almost can't have marriage equality. And that's why now, 18 months, two years after the election, we still haven't, haven't had the bill. Yeah, oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, and it also comes up back to the separation of religion and state. So if you have a Bill of Rights, uh, you, you have to separate religion and state on that issue you were just uh, speaking of, because uh, I mean, I'm speaking as a, a majority Christian uh, population within Australia. Uh, or, or Catholic, I, I believe they will have the, the same uh, upon this that you know, gay marriage is illegal. Um, that you, know, you, you just can't be doing that. Um, and I say illegal in, in well, terms because it's, it's not legal. It's a, an opinion that they believe to their rules you should not be able to do this. Overseas uh, marriages are recognised. I didn't realise that. It's the only state. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, it, if you have these Bill of Rights that entail you cannot discriminate according to sexual orientation, you then can't bring in religion or any of that business because it's set there in black and white legality. Uh, and we don't get into opinions or, or personal beliefs or any of that that sh shouldn't be affecting uh, how you represent a country, your personal other... beliefs in religion. The most important thing about having a federal human rights charter is the fact that, because at the moment, the onus does fall a lot on the states. And I mean, we could do a whole episode on how New Zealand was closer to becoming part of Australia than Western Australia yeah, was. Ridiculous. State so, rights and whatnot. It's crazy. So, yeah, it's all different. It's, it even comes down to when you're, the, the rights that you're obliged to have read to you by the police differ from each state. Um, the special powers that are afforded various commissions are different throughout each uh, Yeah, individual uh, earlier state. when we were speaking of the obligations, they were really general obligations, things that every police officer in every state must do. But as you were just saying, there are... Uh, differences on that, that it does differ from, from state to state. And as you said, the way that sometimes it's worded, it can be almost seen as coercive in itself. It can be very ambiguous uh, as to the true meaning of, like, if you don't say it now and you rely on it in court, you can't rely on it in court, or I can bring it up, it's, it's very ambiguous as to the meaning. So if the Human Rights Act in Australia can lead to a more open and transparent government, and therefore we've looked at that and discussed the legal benefits um, of having a Bill of Rights and a Human Charter of Rights, let's have a look and have a think about some of the societal, cultural, we discussed earlier about the Miranda warning and how Americans just, probably like us, although it's probably more worse with us in regards to just television saturation, but they know their rights to remain silent and so forth. They know they have a First Amendment. They know they have a Second Amendment. They know they have a Fifth Amendment and they know that they're afforded those rights. They're probably not too familiar with the Fourth Amendment, which is the right to privacy, but it's there. It is. They definitely know that Fifth Amendment so much better. It they, gets brought up all the time. They do. <laughs> they know it the fifth. so well. Pleading, Pleading the, the fifth. fifth. In Australia, we don't have that Bill of Rights, and we don't have that, um, I don't want to say indoctrination, but that ingrained feeling of people being afforded human rights. I mean, you look at the Muslim ban in the US and the reaction from Americans who immediately saw that as a violation of human rights. They were 
protesting on the streets, they were protesting at the airports. And yet in Australia, where we don't have a Bill of Rights and we don't have a culture of equality and a culture of rights and basic human rights, is that why it's so easy for the Australian people to vote for a government which blatantly came out and said, I'm going to build a wall, I mean, I'm going to stop the boats. Oh, close, you nearly said it. <laughs> Three-word slogans work every time. What Apparently. But you look at these people who are stuck out there on what I can only conceive to be concentration camps, and yet Australians don't care. Because so it hasn't really changed their way of life. So what we're talking about is uh, Christmas Island, just so that the uh, listeners... Madison. No, Madison, sorry, yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it, it's kind of like... Um, Donald Trump saying, oh, we're going to make a Muslim ban. I'm not doing the accent because it will make me laugh instantly. Uh, but yeah, we're going we're gonna to ban all the Muslims, you know, all, all these seven Muslim countries. Uh, it wasn't a Muslim ban, even though they did say the word ban earlier, but we're not no, going to get Sean into Spice, that. Spicer said that that was the media's word. Yeah, the media's <laughs> word, even though you Trump got... Trump tweeted it. Yes, yeah, anyway. And in America, this is a whole big thing, you know, we're, we're banning and this is a... Uh, how big a deal was it when, you know, laws were changed for immigration within Australia? It wasn't a big deal. People didn't really pay attention to it, and it wasn't. Oh, look at you know the, the new way we're dealing with people who weren't born in this country. And it is the exact same thing within that uh, within that description. Is how we are dealing with uh, immigrants, people coming from other countries to our country. How we are going to treat them, how we are going to welcome them. Uh, it wasn't a bigger deal that we're not accepting them. We're shipping them off to uh, yeah detention centres. Basically, they really are detention. Centers. They really are. It's it's the only way to put it. Uh, and then it's. Kind of out of sight, out of mind for a lot of Australia. And that's because without a Charter of Human Rights, without that implicit knowledge of human rights, it's very easy to dehumanise someone. It's very easy for me to categorise them in one way or pigeonhole them in this way. A Muslim, a terrorist, yeah. a illegal immigrant. Just by things like country of birth, your look, your religion, uh, sometimes just your clothing will separate you and be like, no, nah, you're not going to fit in. Go sit on an island somewhere that's not Australia. Well, you don't have any rights. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you going to say? You can't do anything about saying, it. You're not human. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, and, and even on that, I mean, we have animal rights within Australia. That's exactly right. In um, fact, uh, I've noticed that a lot of animals are actually afforded better rights than some Australian citizens. I look at the way... If you want to adopt a dog from the RSPCA, they will come out and inspect your home to make sure that it is a suitable environment mm. for the dog. However, if you would like to just have a child, you know, not, not adopting because they do have, you know, they ch you can just have a child. Yeah, you can, you can just be responsible. Yeah, you can just be responsible for a human being, no matter any anyway. We have a lot to we say. We digress. On that. We do digress, and we did warn this would happen, but uh, we we do digress on that. But uh, yeah, it, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, uh, and. It's almost like there's this one moment of no human rights uh, and then they're put over there and then we just kind of go, well, you don't have any rights so now we don't really care what you've got to say. Um, and so they're ignored after that point, um, which is just terrible. It's not, not the way you should be handling anyone in this world. Well, unlike uh, Trump, when I say it, I mean it. It's sad. It is sad. Yeah. It is sad. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's a really, really uh, real high note to, to sort of yeah. end the podcast on there. But one thing we do want to say is that what you should do, we hope that we haven't added added to the confusion. Yeah, hopefully we haven't confused you. And, and we definitely suggest that you, the listener, if you're in Australia, if you're an Australian citizen, that you check out the laws within your specific state. As we mentioned earlier, they differ slightly. I mean, it's not like there's a massive difference where you're going to get arrested for something in one state and not in another. The law is the same. But the rights in which uh, and the way in which you are handled 
uh, uh, do differ. So we suggest that you, you do research that if any of this has interested you or if we have confused you, which we're really hoping we haven't. Uh, but as we said, we're going to put all of those uh, links uh, in the description here um, and a link to our Facebook page where we will have all of this uh, in black and white, unlike most of these laws. Uh, yeah, we will actually make it quite easy to find. We might even put it in chronological order. Oh, possibly. <laughs> Which, happen. oh, just on a, on a this quick side note, why Ben has brought up the chronological order. Uh, when you go back and look through our laws within Australia, uh, there are periods in which nothing apparently happened. And then a month later, we find out that, oh, actually a lot happened within that month. And there was... Martin Street uh, shooting occurred, and, and that was that was uh, the one. That, Martin Place. Martin there. Place, yeah. sorry. And you, uh, that, that was actually the example you gave me. Well, I I'm... tried to find because obviously I'd heard a lot of the people, uh, you know, at the time talking on uh, <laughs> Facebook of all things, but laws that may have been passed during that period of time, and right, laws that have to do with our privacy and our security and that sort of thing. Important and, stuff. Absolutely. And when I looked to try and search what laws had been passed on that particular date, which was the 15th of December 2014, sure, all the legislation that had been passed that year from January 1st to, Jan to December 31st was there, but it wasn't in chronological order. No. And the legislation wasn't there, just the title of the legislation. You actually then had to go through and download the enormous PDF and go through that as well. Uh, that in itself, it just doesn't um, afford... The appearance of transparency. It does not. And this is why we've done this podcast, uh, because it can be so confusing trying to learn this stuff when you're reading through 100-page documents wherein all of the information you needed is probably one page, but it's spread out over those 100 pages. You've got to try and search and find them. And, and that's if you can even find those documents. So uh, that's why we've kind of just found a few, gone through it, given you our opinions, and uh, hopefully and sparked an interest. And also so that you can... Um... You can, if you feel like you need to look it up further, the links are right there for you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things here which, uh, due to time, we've had to kind of skim over and say, look, this is the case. And, and it does say that. So we would uh, suggest that you go and look all of that up. And also, if you're not an Australian citizen, uh, if you're listening to this somewhere else in the world, because it is the internet, it's everywhere. Uh, and despite those human rights not being everywhere, the internet generally is in all of those 91 democratically elected company, countries that we spoke of before. Well, we should also just quickly on that thank WikiLeaks for giving us the ability to research this because, and we will do an episode on it about what happened in 2009 yeah. and the leak that came out through WikiLeaks and what the Australian government was trying to restrict, restrict its citizens to having the ability to look at on the internet. And I can say with a modicum of confidence that a lot of the stuff that I've been able to look up here Probably wouldn't have been, it probably would have been a lot more difficult than it was already to. So what I'd like to do is, and as Jared, as Jared said, we uh, we have definitely skimmed over a few things that you can go and uh, have a look at in more detail. The one glaring question that I haven't answered and I haven't asked is, we've, told, we've spoken about why we should have a, human, uh, a Charter of Human Rights, the reasoning behind it, the legal benefits and positives, and of course we spoke at length about the cons, but... The question I didn't ask is, why don't we have a Charter of Human Rights in Australia? Of the 91 Western democracies, we're the only one not to have one. And we don't have that many rights afforded, us to, afforded to us in the Constitution. So why don't we have one? And that's the question I'd like to ask you listeners. Why do you think we don't have one? I hate to say it, but the conclusion I come to doesn't really uh, inspire me with confidence. No, no, it wouldn't. And I mean, we've gone through rights, we've 
uh, kind of focused on the right to be to silent, the right to be silent, and uh, we kind of skip right to an attorney as well. which yeah. uh, there are there are differences there. Um, not there are rights that we do have in Australia cool. which aren't written, uh, but we do have, and uh, one of those is the internet. Uh, so we don't have a lot of restrictions on the pages that we can see within our country. Now, I just had a friend of mine go to China. Uh, now, while he was there, our communication had to be via email because they don't have Facebook in China. Uh, and you cannot look up anything to do with the government. Like, if you, you can be flagged simply by looking up what these laws are. So this is one right we do have in Australia. We have the ability to look these all of this stuff up. Uh, and, and that's why we're doing this. We're kind of trying to uh, to encourage others to do the same and, and look these things up. We do have this right. Go and find out about our other rights. So, to recap, in Australia, we don't really have the right to remain silent. And in Australia, we don't have a Charter of Human Rights or a Bill of Rights. Okay? How about that? How about that? 